You're listening to the Fantasy Wildcard Podcast. And kicking us off NFC East, we're going to be looking at the Eagles and the Commanders. And we have got perfect pair to kick us off on our stream of fun it's uh if you're familiar with fantasy wildcard you'll be you'll be aware that we've got a couple of shows one of those is the the wildcard rewind and we're delighted to welcome on the best two from wildcard rewind we've got mags and we've got hannah um so good morning to you both how are you doing today yeah, good morning, mate. Great, great to be back on the the streamathon, second year in a row. And yeah, you're right. The best two from the Wildcard Rewind for sure. <laughs> Paul, Paul can't be here. Just all around terrible person. Says he doesn't believe in charity. Just not, not a good guy at all. <laughs> yeah, morning all. Thank you so much for having us on. Obviously, this is my streamathon debut. I'm a bit disappointed, Kev. Last year you started with the AFC North. Oh, which obviously yes. is the best division <laughs> in the NFL. And this year, I'm stuck with the NFC East, the worst division in the NFL. I know. It's it's part of my OCD because we always start on the Super Bowl loser and we finish on the Super Bowl winner. So, um, unfortunately, last year it was that we kicked off with the Bengals, which is your team, um, as a Super Bowl loser. But this year it is the best team in the NFC, the Eagles. <laughs> and um, it's true, I mean, the Raptors came for the Super Bowl, didn't they? But, um, yeah, we'll, we'll kick off with the Eagles and start with you, Matt, with your first question. Yeah, so like you mentioned, we're starting with the Eagles. Obviously, got to start with the quarterback position. And, and we had a little joke before we kicked off the streamathon that if you told us a couple of years ago that we'd be talking about Jalen Hurts to kick off the streamathon, we'd have probably <laughs> laughed because I, I'm going to say we weren't we weren't quite believers were we at, at the start, but. I mean, it's hard not to be a believer now after what he's done in the last couple of years. Last season, QB won on fantasy points per game. He's now signed that huge five-year extension this off-season. Um, I think that the, the main question I want to know is, is it now time for us to, to lock him in as that elite top-tier quarterback right up there? And if so, maybe he's even the number one quarterback in, in Dynasty for you two right now. Yeah, go on, Hannah. I'll let you take this one. Okay, go on then. I'll start. I mean... I honestly don't know how you can really say he isn't in that elite tier now. Like, particularly, you know, he's ticked every box right. I mean, pretty much he had a a really great year last year. And the way that he plays the game, you know, that dual threat kind of skill set, it just is translatable year over year. You know, I think it's highly unlikely we're going to get that variability in his game that will mean that he is not within that those elite really three isn't it when, when we're looking at it we're looking at Josh Allen we're looking at Mahomes and we're looking at him you know all those concerns we had last off season you know is he going to keep his his job you know clearly vanished he got his contract and he performed amazingly last year and then I mean let's face it in the Super Bowl he really would have been the MVP had they won you know he he had that amazing performance on the biggest stage under all that pressure so I think there really is not really any question marks left with him so at the moment you know hi brad in australia great to see you um but you know at the moment on keep trade cut he is qb3 so he's like at the bottom of that um elite tier 
I think to make him QB1, you know, as a kind of a consensus, he needs another elite performance, you know, next year. He's had that one year. And I think I think the thing about Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes is that they've shown year over year that they can produce at that elite level. So 2022, between the two of them, they were QB1 and QB2. 21, Josh Allen was QB1. Patrick Mahomes was QB4, but he you know, it's pretty high in points per game, same in 2020. So they've shown that they can do it and they can produce again and again and again. And I think for him, I'm kind of pushing, he is teetering on QB1 for me, to be honest, because of how great he is. But I think if he shows that consistency and he stays in that elite tier, he most certainly has that chance to push, you know, generally across the board to be QB1. I mean, I don't know what you guys think. I don't know what you think, Mags, whether you agree with me or you have a different mindset on him there yeah, yeah. Like, i mean he's oh good good morning tom and rich hello hello um he's yeah a thousand percent right he's in that he's in that elite tier absolutely like this is a guy i've had to do a complete 180 on i mean around this time last year i was calling him zoolander because he couldn't throw left and now he's just <laughs> like really really taken off and yeah the, the only reason you know i think if you're if you're doing a redraft I, sure take Jalen Hurts I can't argue with that at all I think Hannah made a really good point he's maybe got to show it on a more like con- consistent basis and I think that just the play style of Mahomes I think he's going to be around as like the top of this tier for a bit longer than Jalen Hurts is just because of the way that they play and like you look at you look at Cam Newton right he was like Superman right up until he wasn't with that sort of similar kind of play style that, that Jalen Hurts has so that's that's really the only reason I would take Mahomes, and obviously I'm a giant homer as well. So that's <laughs> I think Good I recall stuff. Mags last season. Sorry, I'm butting in. Last season, uh, Hertz was your plant, plant, um, um, you know, unplanned yep. flag, wasn't he? Yep. On our uh, on our flag show. Yeah. So, uh, you did a great yeah, job but... there. Thanks. So if, um, <laughs> if you could just do that for Baker Mayfield this coming year. Um, Max, that would be great. I love, I love how it's only ten AM and Anna's already throwing Max straight under the bus, bringing up, bringing up the history. Yeah, I just, I just can't believe we're less than ten minutes in and Baker Mayfield's got a mention. Ali couldn't wait. Ali couldn't wait. Could I did not expect that today, but I think, I think you both make some great points. The fact that, um, obviously, that from a fantasy point of view, he does definitely deserves to be there. I think real life, he has got a little bit more growth to to show, but. Yeah, there's no, there's no argument. He's got to be in that top three. He, he, if if he's not, then yeah, there's something wrong. You must hate the Eagles. But um, keep keeping on the Eagles. We're going to move to the running back position now. And Ali, what's your question, please? Yeah, so a guy that um, it's been sort of underused in my opinion with over at the Detroit Lions when they taken him that he looked great in spurts, um, but then really saw his usage go down and suffered with some injuries. So. Yeah, the trade to Philadelphia for a 2025 20, fourth-round pick. Um, so really just want to see what your guys' opinion is now on, on DeAndre Swift. How do you see Swift's value being impacting from the trade to, to Philly from Detroit? Um, are, you, are you still – do you think that the ceiling is there for DeAndre Swift or do you think it's going to be more of a, a committee usage in, in Philadelphia from now on? Yeah, Hannah, I'll, t- I'll let you take this one first as well. Oh, do you not want to answer any of the questions, Mike? 
I was trying to be a gentleman. I'll, I'll let you go first. I'll do the next one first. How about that? Oh, go on then. Um, you know, for me, I actually think in terms of his kind of market value, it probably hasn't changed a lot because I think people have already made their opinions on him. They're either really in on him. You know, he's an amazing talent. You know, so when they look at the trade, they're like, well, this is great for him because he wasn't being utilised properly in Detroit. Now he's over in Philly, the best O-line in football. You know, they traded for him, so they must want him and they're going to want to use him. He's got this opportunity to win the backfield. We know that Rashad Penny can't stay healthy. We know what the RB1 can do in this backfield. This is amazing for him. Then there's the other side that are like, oh, Swift is rubbish. I took him as a my RB1 in Dynasty five years ago. And I was not in the league that long, but you know, a couple of years ago, and now you know he's worth peanuts compared to what I bought him for. They traded for him for peanuts. You know, we know that they've got a rushing QB, so he's gonna cap him. He's probably gonna be in a rotation. So I think people have made up their minds, to be honest, and I think. That probably means that he's his value is probably not going to change because I think in startups the believer's going to take him, you know, where his kind of current ADP is, and so it's not really going to change. I think generally, in you know, in the whole kind of picture of it within your league, I would certainly be going and finding out what what does the person that owns Swift think about him because I think depending on what their thoughts are, I think there's a chance potentially you could get him you know, slightly on the cheap. And I think if that's the case, then I would probably look to do that. I think this is a pivotal season for Swift here. Like he really needs to show that he can stay healthy. He can be that efficient, explosive player that we have seen in, you know, fits and starts previously. I do think that his, you know, his path to being uh, an RB1 in fantasy is Captain Philly. You know, we know that his kind of strong, you know, suit and skill set is both in the receiving and in the running game. And we just know that the RBs just don't get that many targets in, in this Philly offence. You know, and we know that Hertz is probably going to vulture some of those TDs too. So I think kind of the dreams of Swift being a, an RB1 in fantasy, I think are probably dying, to be honest. But I do think he's got a chance to have a solid season. And I think he can be in that RB2 range if he can take a stranglehold on on this kind of offence and we just got to see what he's going to do, isn't it? As I say, I, I think I don't want to be buying him at his current cost, but if the owner has him and they are down on him, then I would certainly consider going in and, and taking a punt on him. You know, I think it's worth getting him a little bit on the cheap and seeing what he's going to do, but I, I don't want to buy him at RB19 personally because I, I think to be honest that's probably kind of his ceiling now at this point I, I just don't think our hopes and dreams for him when he came in the league are going to be met anymore unfortunately what do you reckon Mags? Yeah yeah really good point I think one thing I really noticed whenever I was doing a bit of digging on this one is no one's really sp spoke about but at least according to fantasy pros Philadelphia Eagles have got the hardest schedule against the run next season. So someone like DeAndre Swift, who notoriously isn't really a great rusher anyway, I think he got just over 600 yards in his best season, which is, you know, okay. He's going to really struggle to get anything, you know, on the ground. Obviously, there'll be receptions there, but with a quarterback like Jalen Hurts, he's more inclined to, instead of dumping it off, he's more inclined to take off himself. So 
it is hard to to find a path there. Swift's best season receiving was 450 yards, which is quite nice. Daryl Williams also got the same that year, so take with that as you want. Um, Kenny Gainwell also has very similar, you know, yards per catch as DeAndre Swift does. So Kenny Gainwell may be a guy that's being a bit underutilized. He might be a sneaky buy purely because I think Rashad Penny's the best back there, but he's not going to stay fit. Like he's going to get injured. That's that's kind of what happens. DeAndre Swift's probably going to get injured too. I think Swift at the minute is a really good guy to try and trade away. A move I've been trying to make and have made successfully is trying to get Devon Achean plus for DeAndre oh, Swift, oh, oh. which I think is yeah an absolute slam dunk. And maybe by the end of this season, you'll actually see Achean is ranked higher than Swift because he's currently just a few spots behind him, at least on, on keep trade cut and, yeah, are we forgetting about Boston Scott as well? By the way, just throwing it out there. Could he? Could he be a guy? Certainly against Match Giants, he's got to be the guy that you want in your team. Yeah. It's a bit early for Boston Scott. <laughs> <laughs> a, a quick, a really quick follow-up question then: Which which of these Eagles oh. running backs for you two at cost are you most interested in? So Swift at RB nineteen, Penny at RB forty-seven, and Gainwell at RB fifty-one. Probably Penny for me. Yeah, I think it depends on what you think about the back backfield. Like, if you're an optimist, then I'd go Penny because you know we're thinking everyone's going to stay healthy. I think he's the best pure rusher in this in this backfield. You know, I think he could take it if he stays healthy. If I'm a pessimist, then I'm getting gain well because I know the other two aren't going to stay healthy. Yeah. So he is going to get on the field at some point. So it depends what you think about it. But you know, as Mag said, I think gain well probably is a quite a good value here because I suspect he's going to get some playing time through injury yeah I think as the Eagles fan real life love the swift signing fantasy wise he's going to be capped I think you've you, you're spot on what you say and pulling the tail on Devon A chain oh my god don't get me started on him but um, <laughs> we're going to move to wide receiver now for the Eagles and um, we're going to talk about Devontae Smith obviously former Alabama wide receiver had a great start to his career um, like his, his college teammate, Jalen Waddle, they're both 24. Um, Smith was wide receiver nine, Waddle wide receiver six. Um, and they had really similar fantasy points per game last season, 15 and 15.2. So just want to get your thoughts on what it would take for me to move off of Waddle to acquire Devontae Smith. Or are they in the same tier? Is it literally a coin flip and team dependent? Yeah, I think it's super, super close. It's a really good question, actually. Like, I mean, Waddle, I think for, for most people is kind of ranked that that little bit higher. But I mean, would I would I give Smith in a second to get Waddle? Probably not, right? You'd probably have to maybe balance it out somewhere by giving a third here or there. But I think you're right. They're in the same tier for me. It is it is super, super tight. And and that gap is closing as well. Devonta Smith is really coming on towards the back end of last season. So I wouldn't be surprised if this time next year the gap is even smaller and it is literally just just a coin flip between these two. And a really important thing about about Devonta Smith is if you remember his rookie season, he didn't, you know, come out the gates flying and there was that little like buy window there for a guy like Devonta Smith. So just a little like tip for for everyone listening. Like if someone has that, like a Jackson Smith and Jigba, a guy that you really like on tape, doesn't like fly out of the gates. If there's a buy window there, take it because you've seen with Devonta Smith that you know the tape doesn't lie a lot of the time. So try and get these guys if there's any kind of buy window that opens up. Great shout. I actually don't necessarily agree. 
I, I, I do think Waddle is slightly above him in, in that tier. I think there's, you know, there is a tier break between them. I actually think that Waddle has shown that he can be a wide receiver one, you know, on a team. I actually think that Smith suits better. I'm not saying he's not talented, but I just think he suits better being the wide receiver two on a team where there's a bit less kind of focus on him and he can run and do his thing. I just think his frame and things, I do think he struggles slightly to be the sole kind of wide receiver one having to take everything there. So I do think if I was going to sell Waddle, I would want a second. You know, if I was going to sell Waddle and, and, and buy Smith or, you know, whichever, whatever it is, I would want Smith in a second, you know, for Waddle kind of thing if I was going to do it. I think personally his talent is slightly above. Um, and I, as I say, I think if I was selling him, I'd, I'd, I would want that second. So I might not be able to sell him, you know, if that's the case. But I think his talent is just slightly above there. The other thing that's misleading is that their points per game are very close. But actually Tua missed like four games plus last season with his concussion. And he was having to deal with Skyler uh, Thompson for most of it. You know, like it, 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 it's deceiving that it's not if their starting QBs were not both healthy for the same amount of time so I do think Waddle is is in that tier above and I think there might be a bit more of a separation next season if Tua does manage to play the whole season I love the contrasting views a bit spicy in the morning on the stream of form but we, we're going to move from Devontae Smith to his uh, his wide receiver teammate in uh, AJ Brown yeah, we've obviously got to talk about AJ Brown coming over to to the Eagles and, and doing what he managed to do um, this this past season alongside Devon A. Smith. Obviously, spoke in glowing terms about Smith and what he was able to do. But both of these guys, both top ten fantasy wide receivers last year, um, I think that's a glowing endorsement maybe to Jalen Hurts and what he was able to do taking that step forward and support both of these guys. I think that was a common a common thing, wasn't it? People saying that he wouldn't wouldn't be able to support both of these guys, but you've got two top ten wide receivers here, and then just looking at the current ADPs. AJ Brown's with the wide receiver four on Keep Trade Cup, Smith's wide receiver nine. So there's still a bit of variance between them. When you go onto the calculator on Keep Trade Cut, it's actually classed as an early 24 second as the difference between um, the two of them. So I'm just interested to know, with obviously the talk of both of these guys at the minute, what would you rather do at that price point? Would you rather trade up from a Devon A. Smith and pay that second to get AJ Brown? Or maybe would you do the opposite? Would you, if you had AJ Brown? Would you, would you take that 24 seconds to, to pivot down to Smith? What What's your reasoning bit, bit behind whatever decision you've got on that as well? Because I think it's it's really interesting trying to decipher these two these two wide receivers in fantasy. Come on, Hannah, you go first this time and I'll just... <laughs> <laughs> God, I can't win here, can I? I? I actually think here it really depends on the state of your team, right? You know, okay. I, I think if you're a contender then I, I might consider making that jump to Brown because I, again, you know, I think there's a, I do think there's a tear gap between them for sure. And he, he was actually more consistent than Smith last season. Like in PPR points per game, he was seventh, whereas Smith, Smith was actually 15th. So sometimes I think looking at like overall points per game across the season can be a bit disappointing because obviously fantasy is a weekly game at the end of the day. You know, so you get your wins and losses through how a player performs each week rather than ultimately how they perform over the, the course of the season. So I I like having consistency in my performances. Um, useful in best ball when you've got your spike weeks. But as I say, in these kind of 
dynasty redraft scenarios, I prefer consistency. So if I was a contender, I probably would be potentially making that leap. Look, if I'm in a rebuild, you know, I would certainly be selling Brown. Like, if I'm going to get an early second plus Smith, who, yes, he might not be quite on the level of, of Brown, but he's still a really nice piece for you to build your team around. I would be wanting to accrue that draft capital. You know, an early second's really nice. You can either use it and buy someone in the draft or you can use it to, to you know, to get other pieces to build your team. If I'm not actually sure where I am, I'd probably hold stick with what I've got for now, find out where I am kind of more in the season. If I'm looking like not a contender, I'm selling Brown to a contender and I'm getting those pieces. If I'm looking like a contender and Smith's not quite doing it, then maybe I look to push for Brown. Yeah. Great yeah, I think yeah, I think you're you're absolutely spot on there. And it's it's super close. Like it's you know, you think about like the, the points difference between them last year. There's something like forty points between AJ Brown and, and Devonta Smith. And you know, is that extra two or three points per game enough to like get you over the line and win a championship? Because I think that's a championship move. Like Hannah said, you have to be, you know, kind of going a little bit all in. It can't be the only move you make. If you're going to trade up to get AJ Brown, you should be looking to go and buy in some like veteran running backs on top of that, going to get these kind of championship pieces to go along with it. And yeah, maybe those extra two, three points will end up getting over the line. But, you know, it is hard to say. And kind of what I touched on earlier, their their trajectories really did, you know, come closer together as, as the year went on. In fact, four out of the last five weeks of the season, it was actually Devonta Smith who was outscoring AJ Brown for for fantasy points in the game, which is you know, a bit a bit insane actually. Really, he really came into form, and you know, is there going to be a bit of an adjustment next year? Will we see teams paying more attention to Devonta Smith after what he did? It's kind of hard to tell, but yeah, I think the only reason I would make this move is if I'm going all in to win a championship. If not, I'm I'm probably not making that move. Matt, Ali, closing thoughts on this. Ali first, and then Matt, you can wrap up your own question. <laughs> uh, yeah, so the difference for me, I've got AJ Brown two tiers ahead, Brown in tier two, and Devon Smith in tier four, just behind T Higgins at wide receiver nine. So, um, yeah, I'd play I'd play a second to get up two tiers. I think that's a, that's a good move to make. Um, AJ Brown is still the most stable asset on that team. His, his elite wide receiver, um, Devon Smith, still got a little way to go, but... Um, yeah, it was, was really encouraging to see how he finished um, the back end of last season. Yeah, I think Hannah, obviously, um, she she rounded it really well by saying a lot of it does depend on, on your situation, I think, in, in Dynasty on how you might approach um, a, a trade like this. But I think I might actually go the opposite way and say I'd maybe pivot down um, from AJ Brown to, to Devontae Smith and, and take that 24 second. I think we're already looking forward to, to that draft after after only just having the, the most recent one. But I think that class is going to be quite interesting the more we get to know about it. But as Hannah mentioned, you're getting that extra bit of equity, that could potentially be another player that can help you push forward. And I think, as mentioned, I think a lot does depend on, on where you're at in Dynasty. But I'd personally rather take a shot because I'd, I can't see a reason why Devontae Smith couldn't take a step forward and, and maybe be up in that same realm as, as what an AJ Brown is maybe in a, a year or two's time. So um, I think I'd rather just take the extra equity myself. But um, yeah, I thought it was a, quite an interesting question to, to kick off the show. Yeah, great question, Matt. I think um, one of the facet to add into this is if you're starting your, your dynasty startups and you take Hertz, you've got two chances at getting a, a great stack there. So you don't have to reach for your AJ Brown. You can sort of take Devontae Smith or if you get the good value in AJ Brown, 
you've got that as well. You might want to even take off free and go absolutely wild if you're a homer like me. But if we're moving on, we're going to move to tight end and Ali. Yeah, well, you could uh, you could stack this guy up with with Jalen Hurts. Uh, Dallas mm. got it. Um, I did touch a nerve, I think, with a few Eagles fans last week when I tweeted about him, just saying, is he is he really elite? Is he in that elite bracket that we we brand him in? Um, so, just question for you two is. Is he regarded as a leap tight end asset for you? He's, um, he's actually dropped tight end seven on Keep Trade Cup behind Dalton Kincaid, which is quite funny. Um, are you happy with him as your tight end one? Or would you try and trade up for, say, an Andrews or Kelsey into the ne- next tier? Say perhaps if the if the price... I, I don't think a second's going to get you there, so perhaps you may have to pay a first to get up there. Would, would that be a move that you guys make? Or would you stick and be happy with Goddard as your tight end one? Yeah, he's like he's almost like the gatekeeper to like the top tier, right? Dallas Goddard. He's always like just there. He's not quite in that top tier. I think you know it trading for Andrews and Kelsey is always a good idea. If you gotta use <laughs> Dallas Goddard to do it, then fine. I think that's that's a move I'd be making all day. If someone's like, I need Goddard uh, plus whatever for Kelsey, but like, what do you want? Like <laughs> like I'll I'll give it to you. Like but you're not gonna be too annoyed if he is your tight end one, but just be aware that, you know, he's not a game changer really, but he is very stable. He is very reliable. In an ideal world, he would be your tight end too. But I love the question about, would you take Kincaid plus a 24 second for Goddard? I'm a little bit shocked that Kincaid is already ranked ahead of Dallas Goddard. That's a little bit, you know, little rich for me. So I'm like, oh well, obviously it's a slap. According to the rankings, you you're you're winning. You're getting the the high ranked player and and a second. I would maybe do it in some cases and and not in others. Like I guess coming up, Scott Connor says you got to diversify your your portfolio, right? So I'd want to maybe trade away some Goddard, but I want to I want to keep him and I'm going to use your catchphrase here, Ali, just in case, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, I mean, I I just. You know, the, the the truly elite tight ends are in the minority, right? You know, we're looking at Kelsey and Andrews. That's two players, you know, and realistically, you're usually playing in a 12-team a league. Like, it's highly, highly unlikely, as much as you would like it to be, that Dallas Goddard is ultimately going to be your QB2, unless you've put a lot of capital into your tight end room. Can I say it's very unlikely he's going to be a QB two, Hannah? Like that's oh, that's true. But <laughs> <laughs> well, he could be a tight end too. But yeah, I mean, you know, unless you put loads of capital into your tight end room, it's highly unlikely that he is going to be your tight end too. And to be honest, I would not want him plus Kelsey or Andrews in my room. Like I just think that's way too much capital invested in your tight end room. You need to, you know, you need to move him on. Um, you know, yeah, great. It'd be nice to have Kelsey or Andrews, but the people that have them know that they're super elite tight ends and they're going to charge you, you know, through the teeth for them, you know, and it's, do you want to spend that value on your elite tight end? You know, I think Goddard is, you know, like Mag said, you know, a very stable, you know, QB, QB, I'm, I'm obsessed with the QBs today. <laughs> it's a very stable tight end one, you know. He'll, you know, he'll get you the points. He will be a tight end one usually, pretty much every or most weeks so I would be fine with having him um, if it meant that I could invest in other areas of my team Um, I think it depends where you want to invest doesn't it ultimately but if you want the two top tight ends particularly in a premium league it's going to cost you a lot of money and capital and do you want to pay that 
I probably would be happy going with Goddard and probably spreading out that, you know, capital that I would be using to get Kelsey or Andrews and putting it in other players. But I think, again, it, it depends on what, what you want to do. If you're a contender and the only thing you feel you need is an elite tight end, great, spend all your capital. Who cares? You might win. But if you're not, I'm not paying. No thanks. Yeah, he's in that grey area where what he does is he's really solid, but ideally, if you are winning a championship, you want to have a top three or four tight end to really make that push. Otherwise, you're behind some teams in your league at that position. I think if you ask me, could he potentially outscore someone like TJ Hawkinson if there was more pass for him this year of the tough schedule? I would say yes, especially with Addison going there. But yeah, I agree. I think you want to be moving up and getting someone a little bit higher or even just punting it until you get into a stage to compete. Think of guys like Engram and Tyler Higby. They were both top 10 tight ends last season, so giving you similar production to Goddard. So I think you both make excellent points on the tight end room. That brings us to the end of the Eagles, sadly, the best team in the NFC East. But we are going to move to the, the worst team in the <laughs> NFC East now, to the Commanders of Washington. So I can't believe it's fallen on me to ask this question on Sam Howell. Um, we should have done it so that uh, Matt was asking it as a, as a big fan. But but yeah, I guess with Sam Howell, it was a day free guy. He made the one start at the end of last season. Actually QB8 in fantasy points per game, which is quite funny based on that one start. Um, I actually like his backup, Jacoby Brissett, um, is, is a real-life player, but he doesn't offer much for fantasy. As I said, tough division. What I want to know is, two-part question, do you think Howell will start all season? And would you sell him for the market value of a 24 second? Who's going? Go on, Anna. Oh, go on, Anna. Okay. <laughs> um, I, I personally, I just don't see how he's going to start all season. You know, a day three pick, it's stacked against him, really, I personally think, to become a viable starting QB in the NFL. My suspicion is that he probably will start and he might do, you know, reasonably well to start the season. But I suspect he's probably going to flame out reasonably quickly. I do think, though, that I probably would hold my nerve here. And I don't think I would sell him quite just yet because their first game of the season is Arizona. So I think <laughs> there's a good chance that he could have a good game that. here. So I'm going to let him have a great game against Arizona. People are going to be all in on him, love him, and I'm going to sell him for a profit. That's my plan. Nice. I didn't think of that Arizona game. That is definitely a great <laughs> shot because, yeah, ultimately, um, I'm wanting to sell Sam Howell as well. Especially, like, if you're a team and Sam Howell has to start for you, you should be selling him anyway because you need to rebuild really badly. So you need to get those picks, like, stacking up as soon as you can. And I, I don't know. I think Jacoby Brissett is in with a real shot of actually being the starter for the majority of the season as well. I mean, he... Didn't light the world on fire when he was filling in for Deshaun Watson, but he wasn't bad either. I thought he did a pretty good job of just like managing that offense and and you know using the pieces around him as well as he could. So I don't think there's any guarantee that that Sam Howell is even the starter on, on day one, but you know probably. But Brissett is is a guy that that they don't. Oh, we here? <laughs> so it's, that's Sam Howell coming to get me. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> Like Brissett is a very like very safe quarterback, so it depends what a guy like Ron Rivera wants to do. He doesn't seem like a guy that is a big risk taker to me. So 
I think you could end up seeing Jacoby Brissett be the starter, actually. Oh, I don't think so. Sorry, I'm going to butt in again. Go on, Hannah. But they've been saying all off-season, Sam Howell's our guy, Sam Howell's our guy. We love Sam Howell. Mm. I know that it can all be smoke and mirrors, but to me, I, th- I think they've probably put a rod for own back and I think they're going to have to start him, I personally think. And also, they've got to see what they've got in him, right? They did actually draft him. So, you know, at this point, what really have they got to lose? Like, they need a QB, so if they, if they flame out, fine great they can get up there and get one you know like let's see what we've got if he's good great finally we've solved the problem and if he's not then great because then hopefully we can get someone in the draft um so i think i think they are going to play him i really do i think they're going to start him as i say they might get fed up of him quite quickly and Mm. switch to reset but i do think i think they're going to do it (laughs) can i just say i think that the ceiling for howl is high and the floor is low because I actually think the commanders are a sneaky good team this year. I think they're going to be competitive in the East and pushing for a playoff spot. So with that, if he does suck, then he's going to be benched. And Brissett, who won plenty of games last year with the Browns, I think is going to be the guy that they lean on because I think they want to win. Um, But if Sam Howell is the guy that is a winning quarterback um, playing for this team, I think you could potentially send him for a future first. So I think the ceiling is ceiling's there but i think the floor is also really low yeah i, I liken the sam howell situation a little bit like ridder the sense that i think both teams if they're gonna make any headway in the nfc overall they need a new qp i think ridder's probably got a better job security because i think atlanta are going to potentially be a 10 11 win team i think with the commanders personally i can't see that not not finishing above uh match giants in first place <laughs> so we're going to come to you actually matt for the next guy yeah, I mean, you didn't like talking about Sam Howell, I'll be honest, I don't really like talking about this guy either. It's Brian <laughs> Robinson, a guy that I was never truly on when he came in as a, as a rookie. I know um, Paul, our, our good friend over with you at, at Rewind, he, he was really high on Brian Robinson. And I think, in, in, in a sense, he's kind of been proven right because he did have a, a pretty strong rookie season. Um, just looking at his current ADP, he's ranked as the RB35. Um, but I think overall, his, his ceiling is still pretty capped for me. We, we saw last year, his involvement in the receiving game is, is next to nothing. We know Antonio Gibson's there, a guy that's finally getting to see a little more chance in the receiving game. I mean, who would have thought a former wide receiver in college was going to be good at catching passes? Mm. Um, I think we all knew that, and it's great to finally see that happening. But Brian Robinson's kind of missing out for that reason. He only saw 12 targets in the 12 games that he played last year. And you know in fantasy how important, how 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 much we value those receptions in, in fantasy football. Um, so I'm just interested to know, as I mentioned, <laughs> a little bit. Even though Paul's not here, he still managed to to, to make it known that he was right. Um, but yeah, at that price that I mentioned, RB35. What what would you be doing with that? Is he somebody you're happy to to buy at that price? Would you maybe looking to sell? Do you think that's maybe his his ceiling as the RB35, or would you just hold and maybe hope that he can grow into a larger role? Maybe Gibson goes down. We know he's struggled with with injuries over his, his time in the NFL. Do you hope that maybe if he went down, Robinson can see a little more involvement in the receiving game and, and see a potential boost to his his value? Mags, I'm going to pass this over to you so you can't palm this off to Hannah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Matt. Look. At least someone's <laughs> today. I mean, it is a bit odd the hell throws over and Paul got something like, on the nose, right? That is, like... Based on that, there is no way he's repeating it next year. Like, you got to get out while the kid's good because it's, yeah, Paul's not going to be right two years in a row. Let me tell you that. In <laughs> uh, <laughs> all seriousness, though, like, he's he's like a kind of guy that you don't, like, hugely get excited that you have. But 
I bet he's really annoying to go and try and buy. I bet everyone's going to ask for just a little bit too much to try and buy a guy like Brian Robinson. And he's also a guy that like you're not you're going to get like low ball. He's one of those most frustrating like players in like fantasy to have because what you might do is you might go and try and buy him for like a, a second round pick and someone's going to call you crazy. And then you're going to ask for a second round pick to sell him and someone's going to call you crazy. So it's just like, you can't win. Like his value is kind of a little bit all over the place. I'm not in on him though. I just don't think that he's, and he's fine. He's a decent running back, but I mean, there's no guarantee that they don't just go out and like replace him next year. And he's actually just like this guy that comes into the league is okay for two years and then isn't really heard from again. So if you're contending, sure, why not hold on to him? You need every piece you can get. But if you're in the middle or you're rebuilding, I think you gotta you gotta sell Brad Robinson, as you need to do with most running backs. So no real shade on Brad Robinson. I see Paul's getting upset that we're uh, throwing shade on him, but if he actually turned up to the streamathon, then maybe he could actually defend himself, right? Um I actually call Brian Robinson like desperation depth. He's like one of those guys that will give you numbers when you've got injuries. You know, you can plug him in when you've lost everyone else, but there's like no upside. You know, he's not on your team because you think, oh, if someone goes down, he's going to suddenly become an RB1. He's just going to plug along and, and give you numbers. So when you're desperate, you can plug him in. But otherwise, there's not really much point to him. If I can get a second for him, I'm probably going to sell. If not, then I'm going to hold. I'm going to wait till someone's got a million injuries but still feel like they're a contender, and I'm going to sell him. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't want to keep him. I have, I don't see kind of the point of him on my team apart from a de- desperation depth piece. So I'm trying, I'm trying to move him. If it's not now, then it's probably later on in the season. I will just quickly say that he, he did get shot before the season last year so yeah. there is there is that and yeah. i think um let's just see how eric bienemy coming over across um so let's see what his plans are for brian robinson and this running back room it could be could be slightly interesting um but yeah i can't i can't defend him too much you want to buy him ali <laughs> not for a second no <laughs> i love volume <laughs> yeah i think it's one of them where you want to sign for a second but you don't want to pay a second you might maybe want to yeah i think the ideal deal is something where you're you you're giving up um a third like um you, you're giving up your second and getting a third back something like that but even then that's not happening is it we're, we're just trying to paint a nice pitch for paul but um we're going to speak about his running back teammate now Ali. Yeah, so, yeah, really disappointing with Antonio Gibson, a guy that I just had so many shares. I was really excited for him when he was coming out. Is there is there any really hope left for Gibson for you two? Um, yeah, I was personally really high on him. Disappointing now how it's played out. Um, is his best way for fantasy to get a move away from, from Washington or, or do you see a way where he can come back, he can ho- hopefully stay healthy on the field um, and it increases usage this year? Are you... Are you buying him? Because he's—I mean, his cost is probably, probably really low now. But um, yeah, is there any hope for you two? He's a sneaky one, right? I think there's something like in the back of my head, and I can't shake it. Where it's over and over, it's just saying, "What if Antonio Gibson is like this year's Josh Jacobs, a guy that everybody is writing off, everybody thinks isn't really going to contribute too much, and everyone's fed up that he isn't being used in the way that he should be." And then comes out and is like everything that we always dreamed he would be. 
I just can't shake that fact in there. You got Eric B. Enemy coming over who has got, you know, hundreds of creative, offensive game plans to to draw up. And I think he's gonna to want to find a way to use Antonio Gibson and he's in the last year of his contract, so they might just run him into the ground as well, like while they have him. So mm-hmm. I, I, I kind of think that he might be a sneaky buy going into next year because I think the enemy will try and use him correctly. You've either got Sam Howell or Jacoby Brissett in a quarterback. You know with Sam Howell, talk about it all the time, these little short passes or like these rookie or inexperienced quarterback's best friend. You've seen with Jacoby Brissett, he quite likes to do that as well. I think this could be an interesting time to go and buy Antonio Gibson but I have got absolutely no idea what his price is because it's all over the place. I don't know if you've got a better gauge than Hannah, but yeah, there doesn't seem to be a set price on Antonio Gibson at all. Yeah, I think this is maybe a similar one to Swift. Obviously, it's not quite you know the same cost, mm. but where people have kind of made up their mind, they're either like, I'm still a Gibson believer and you know I'm not going to sell him for anything less than your right arm, or I think he's totally rubbish and I don't want to buy him or... You know, I don't want him, but I'm not going to sell him for peanuts or whatever. So, like, I think it's he's all over the place because people's opinions of him are all over the place. I actually think his best hope is that the enemy is going to use him in that, like, Jerick McKinnon type role because yeah. I actually think that probably is what suits him the best. I just don't think that he is that three-down runner. You know, I, I just can't see him actually having that kind of Josh Jacobs type role. I just don't think he is quite that kind of back. I think he needs to be more of like the Jerick McKinnon kind of role that you do a little bit of rushing, but a lot of your work is in the receiving game. You know, you're getting those red zone receiving targets and stuff. I think it might be a bit more difficult in that obviously we've got McLaurin and we've got Dodson and stuff. So, you know, he may not get all of that red zone work, but I think if you can have a McKinnon type role i think his value could really rise up i personally don't see him ever becoming a fantasy rb1 um at this stage of his career but i do think that he can increase his value and be a decent contributor used in the right way and i think the enemy probably will do that but i just don't see him having this stranglehold on the backfield and you know taking all of the work i think robinson's probably going to take that early work and it would be really nice if he comes in in you know in those third downs where he can you know catch those passes especially you know with howell who's probably going to dump dump off and things you know i I think he can have a a really nice kind of mixed role in there um and i just hope the enemy just use him in that way i think it's probably good for him to stay where he is with the enemy because i think the enemy is going to you know, use him well. I think the risk of him moving away is that he, again, ends up not being used properly and, you know, his value drops even more. Yeah, he's a really interesting guy. I've just completed the start-up and Gibson went round 13, which was two rounds behind Roshan Johnson in this particular draft. It's, it's a, I think he's a great target if you're taking that hero or zero RB approach as someone that it's a bit of a gamble this year and then he's a free agent. Anything could happen. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll have to see how that gets on. We're, we're all big fans of Gibson here at the Wildcard, so um, we're ready to get hurt again, no doubt. But <laughs> speaking of a guy that we're probably not going to get hurt again by because we don't own a lot of them, is, is Teddy McLaurin. It was his best ever finish last season, wide receiver 14. Slightly masked by the fact that um, he played all 17, he was wide receiver 24 in fantasy points per game. The good news is he's tied down for at least the next two seasons. 
Now, thinking of market value, he's sandwiched between two guys in Zay Flowers and George Pickens, younger guys with potentially more potential. So, just want to know, out of Flowers, McLaurin, Pickens, would you pivot to either of those or both or neither? Go on, Anna. (laughs) Here I go again. Um, (laughs) Like, I, I totally get it that people don't really like him. Like, he... As you say, like fancy wise, he hasn't really produced. But man, this guy is talented. Like, I'm sure everybody's heard this before, but the list of QBs he's played with is like honestly a who's who <laughs> list of play of QBs that shouldn't be in the NFL, you know? Like this poor guy has been stuck with the worst kind of QB situation the whole time since he's been here, and he's still managed to get one thousand yards every season. Like this dude, he has got talent and he's really good. I personally think eventually, surely talent's going to win out, right? I know we've been saying this for three seasons and he's never really, you know, hit where we want him to be. But I I don't want, I personally, certainly George Pickens for sure, I, I don't want him at the same value. And probably Zay Flowers as well. Like, I would probably stick with him personally. Um, because I, I think he is ultimately more talented than them. The enemy's here now. Come on, the enemy, please, you know, give him that chance. Um, I would stick with him personally, but I suspect there's many different opinions here um, across this table. Um, but I think this guy is talented. He just needs the QB. Yeah, it's so weird that this is finally the year where Terry McLaurin like outscores his ADP and his ADP drops. Like that is <laughs> that is quite a strange turn of events. But yeah, I think whenever you look at the guys like Pickens and Flowers, like Hannah's right. This guy always gets a thousand yards. I don't I don't quite know how you could. I mean, maybe with Pickens, you're just like, you know what, I'm shooting for the upside here. Pick Pickens has got that kind of like that X factor about him, that kind of like star quality that he could end up being, you know, one of one of the bigger receivers in the league. But if you're playing it safe, I think you gotta stick with with Terry McLaurin here because he is probably gonna get a thousand yards. He's done it with, you know, Carson Wentz and Paul Pickens a quarterback. So it's just yeah, it's a super safe play. His I don't know how the ADP dropped after his best season, so yeah, it seems like he's just not like none of the cool kids like Terry McLuhan, right? He's not he's not like a popular pick. He's just kind of there, but but I think he's he's really good value. All right, I... Matt Alley, go for it. <laughs> go, Matt. I'm, uh, I'm going to do a magazine and pass it over to you first. Alley, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think he's a really interesting one, Kev. Like we, you mentioned at the start, he's somebody that I don't think all three of us have really been on at any point during his, his career like kind of mentioned that the quarterback play has obviously been a big thing for him for, throughout his, his time in the NFL but I think you've got to think back when he came in as a prospect he was actually somebody that nobody was really that high on and he kind of exceeded expectations in his rookie year and then people were starting to to build the hype behind him and then like Mags mentioned we've finally got a year out of him that's actually better than what his ADP was and now we're we're kind of bailing on him a little bit and like you mentioned at the top, Kev, I actually I actually believe a little bit in Sam Hall, maybe just for this year, because I think 
long-term the commanders i, I believe and um, one of the the the, the fantasy sanctuary guys mentioned that the, the commanders obviously getting bought at this point that they've got to be looking at quarterback they're not going to say the quarterback of the future for the commanders is sam howell so i think this could be maybe a a one-year deal for him kind of showing what he's got to the nfl and maybe he can find his way onto it to another team but i think he could actually support terry McLaurin. i think they, they're going to gel well together we saw it in that game when sam howell played that terry McLaurin had those those opportunities and um, when he was playing and i think going into this year Ali mentioned at the top that, that he thinks the commanders are going to be a sneaky good team. I'm not quite there with the commanders. I think they're going to struggle on the defensive side of the ball again this year. Um, and I feel like the commanders are going to be playing from behind a lot again. And I feel like Terry McLaurin is going to benefit from that. So um, I think at his ADP, I'm happy to, to maybe take a few shots at him, maybe see what we can get out of this final year. Now that the value is probably where I think it, it should have been from, from the get-go, to be honest. So at his current value, I'm happy to take a shot on him and, see how it plays out with, with Sam Howell going into it this year. But long term, I think there's another guy that we're going to talk about a little bit that maybe I'm a little bit more excited about of the two of them. But at value, I'm, I'm happy to take a chance on him. Matt, I've got a little charity bet for you right now. Oh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so ready for next next year's stream of fun. Um, okay. I'll bet you that the commanders finish ahead of the Giants. This is a tricky one though because I'm the only Giants fan out there that's saying that last year was a bit of a blip. I mentioned it when we went when I went on with the rewind guys. I think last year was a bit of a blip for the Giants, but do you know what? Seeing as it's for charity, I'll I'll take that bet. I'll back my Giants. I think yeah, we'll we'll have twenty quid on on a bet on that. That I think um, the Giants are going to finish above the Commanders. I just sorry before we move on. I just don't know how can you say that George Pickens is better than Terry McLaurin? I'm sorry, like I just don't get it. Great, he can do one-handed catches on the sideline, but he's not even the wide receiver one, you know, on his team. And it's Terry you know, McLaurin now this year. That's the... He's got Kenny Pickett throwing him the ball and Deontay Johnson, and still a terrible OC. I'm sorry, I don't get it. You know, if you want to buy George Pickens from me for Ter you know, and I'll take Terry McLaurin. Come, come and sell him. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Love that, and we'll move on to the final uh, question of, of, of the Rewind Crew's uh, stint on the start of the stream of fun. Yeah, so I mentioned there's a, another wide receiver on this this offense that I think a lot of people are getting excited about, especially this offseason. If you go on Twitter, you see his name plastered all over the place. Matt Harmon obviously does the reception perception, and that graphic of him with all those green arrows pointing in all different directions, <laughs> everybody's retweeting that. I'm seeing it all over the timeline. So, yeah, the, the hype is getting real for Johan Dotson coming into, into this year. His ADP is now up to, to the wide receiver 21. But I just want to know, do you two think he can, can live up to that wide receiver 21? Obviously, we saw flashes of him last year. Obviously, great in the finding the, the the nose for the end zone, but as a as a whole, maybe didn't didn't hit the heights that maybe some were expecting being that first round pick. So, do you think wide receiver twenty one is that a value you, you're willing to, to take a chance and, and back dots in? Um, and what would you consider a successful year um, in twenty twenty three for for dots? And obviously, as I mentioned, with that that rookie season now gone, and Mags, I've got to pass it to you because I know that you said when I joined you on the rewind that this was the MVP for the Commanders next year. So, I need to know what your your feelings are on this. Yeah, I really like Johan Dotson a lot, but it's kind of breaking my heart a little bit that he's going like so early now. Like, because I'm just like, I really like him. Like, I'm a Johan Dotson guy, but I mean, he's going ahead of Brandon Ayuk, Calvin Ridley, Amari Cooper, guys like this that are real proven, like, kind of assets that you could have on your dynasty team. And Dotson's still a guy that averaged about 10 points per game. It's not great, but it is, it is a big risk to go for him. But if I can get, and Amari Cooper, Brandon Ayuk, or Calvin Ridley plus for Jahan Dotson. I've got to do it. No matter how much I love Jahan Dotson, I can't not take that deal. 
But I still think he's a really good player. I still think he's going to do well, but I'm not taking him at wide receiver 21. Just can't. Yeah, I agree. I, I think the talent is there. You know, we've seen, like you say, we've seen the Christmas tree. We know what he can do. <laughs> yeah. I think he's, he's limited by his situation again, isn't he, and the offense that he's on. You know, if he was on the Eagles, let's say, or, you know, like Devonta Smith that we, we were talking about, then I think he certainly could live up to his ADP. But I just, I just can't see him managing to do it this season anyway, or until really the QB situation improves. I'm sorry, I can't see Sam Howell supporting two, you know, yeah. top end wide receivers. I think a good season for him is is for him to show that he can be like the one B to Terry McLaurin's one A, you know. And we we start to call them more of like a one A and one B duo. Um, you know, I, I just I, I don't think we can put expectations on him from kind of a oh he's going to be a wide receiver one or two because I just unfortunately don't think the situation is going to allow him to do that. You know, and like Mag says, he is really quite expensive at the moment. But if he can show to us that yes, I can play to my talent and I'm showing promise, if things all click into place for this offense eventually, he might be 80, but if they do, then you know maybe he can become a wide receiver one, wide receiver two, you know. So I think we just need to see that he can live up to the talent that we've all kind of think that he has. Yeah, I was going to say, if he could have like a really poor man's Devontae Smith second season as like a, a 1B, that's, that would be a fantastic thing. If he is a wide receiver two this season, you've got to be absolutely over the moon with, with that sort of leap from, from Dotson. Final word on Dotson from you, Ali. Yeah, well, uh, this was the guy that I tweeted about it all last off season. He was falling to the early second round in them rookie drafts, and it was it was criminal at the time. The fact that people were taking James Cook, Sky Moore ahead of him at the back of the first round. So this was the guy that I was scooping up, but the early second rounds, and just happy because the talent was there. Got first round draft capital. So yeah, I do agree though. His his value right now is creeping up to where if someone came to me with an IUK plus or even even a straight up is something that you certainly have to think about um but yeah absolutely love the guy hopefully takes takes another step forward this year and outscores that bum terry mclaurin (laughs) (laughs) excellent stuff ali and that 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 brings us to the end of um the the wildcard rewind stint on the uh the stream if i want to kick us off you've been amazing guests so please do share with the audience where they can find you and anything you've got planned in the near future thank you uh, yeah, first of all, like guys, anyone listen, if you've not donated yet, go go and check out the the link to the to the mind charity and make sure you've given, you know, anything that you can to donate. This is an amazing, amazing cause. Check out the, the wild card rewind with with me and Hannah as well. We're putting out episodes most Mondays, so you can find us there. Yeah, again, I just want to say thank you so much for having us on. You guys do an awesome job every year with the Streamathon, and thank you for having us. And you know, we really appreciate you having us on, and we really want to support you through and look forward to watching the rest of the day. Um, I'm Hannah at Han Roland. Obviously, I'm on with Mags and Paul every Monday, and I'm also on the Five Yard Dynasty show usually on a Tuesday. So, thanks again, and good luck for the rest of the day. Can't wait to watch y'all. Excellent stuff. Thank you very much, and we will see you very soon. Bye.
Good stuff. So huge thank you for all the donations we've received so far. You can still donate up to the end of June. Check out our link that's on the pin tweet at Fantasy Wildcard. On Twitter, there's the search facility on Just Giving, Fantasy Wildcard Charity Stream from 2023. There's also the banner across the bottom of our screen here as well. So, um, yeah, thank you for anyone that's donated so far. And um, thank you for supporting Mind Charity. When you have the wild card, you have the power to change the game.